water, blah, 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 green economy, blah, 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 net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be very, very tough, this summit. And I'm very worried because it, it might go, it might go wrong. We have a moral responsibility, even if we didn't cause it, we would have a moral responsibility to do something about thousands of men, women and children who have lost everything. COP is a massive opportunity, but it is a huge responsibility on the shoulders of world leaders. This is COPcast. Hello, and welcome to COPcast 12. It is getting on for about 8 o'clock on Saturday night. The... What we are anticipating is the final plenary session is underway in there. Um, I am outside the fence, as ever. It is quiet. I think there's maybe three or four protesters left, a bunch of cops, some security. To be honest, most of the activity is just eat guys on bikes. Meanwhile, in there, there's things either getting done or not getting done. So that is what we're here to find out about. And when I know more, I will let you know more. We are, for the last time on the Bridge of Pod, right? As of half an hour ago, we have a deal. I think the Glasgow Pact, is it getting called the Glasgow Pact? I've seen it called that a few times. Anyway, I'm joined by Mel, who's just rushed out. Um, How are we feeling? Oh, to be honest, I've got really mixed feelings. So um, as we've talked about before, I've been working all the way through on the role of nature and the connections between the biodiversity crisis and the climate crisis. So on that front, I'm feeling really excited because we got what we came here for. And I've never been able to say that before in in the COP context. Normally, it's been a hard slog for very little gain. We only got three lines in Madrid. Um, So that is really great. Um, In our last podcast, we talked about some potentially controversial language, you know, throwing everything up in the air for nature that didn't end up transpiring I think countries had other issues to focus on and so the the nature text the good nature text that was in there that links nature to the role of um, achieving the Paris goals um, has been sustained the links between the biodiversity and climate crisis are, are in there the all ecosystems are covered we have safeguards so some really decent language and you know we'll be looking to move to how countries implement that yeah, in the future. I, I wanted to ask you about that right because like what does getting that language in the agreement actually mean in the real world? Yeah that's a really good question so I mean what we want countries to be doing is doing all this stuff in their national plans so we didn't get explicit reference to those national plans by name but we did get links between all the good nature stuff that I said um, and national policies not quite as good as name checking but pretty much (laughs) there Um, so we can still build on kind of that specificity um, but just the recognition that we need nature to get us to 1.5 by you know 195 countries around the world is is a really significant step forward and puts us in a really good place for COP15 the CBD COP coming up. And I I don't know I mean you're an expert on COPs right so I've been trying to see what you think about this but my feeling as as, as, as somebody who's new to this process, right, but obviously pays a close, t- close attention to the prominence of nature, right, in political debates, having it written into these kind of very high-level agreements, 
potentially has ripple effects beyond these these processes, right? It's about people coming together and making very big statements about how central nature is to a vast range of things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's very many global processes. You know, there's global trade processes. There's all sorts of multilateral processes. There are other conventions. And having these connections made here, I think, should be really, really useful across all of those. Um, but if I may, I just want to say why I have mixed feelings. Yes, no, yes. I open this. Well, um, in terms of the other areas of the COP, um, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty disappointed on um, some of those elements. So um, we did still um, keep some language around um, ambition for actually reducing emissions, um, you know, linking to this important temperature goal of 1.5, but it wasn't anywhere near as strong as we hoped. Um, the language to phase out fossil fuel subsidies has been watered down and the reason that I was late joining you on this Bridge of Pod was that um, at the very last minute um, India came forward and proposed some language that further watered that down which was super disappointing um, rapid fossil fuel phase out is of course absolutely essential for our climate goals I mean and- I wanted to ask you something about that because you've seen a bunch of these I was quite surprised and it actually chimed with something you'd said to me a couple of times about how people get tired at the end and, they, and, and therefore they will accept things. Given that, OK, China and India mm-hmm. seem to be backing at one point, maybe Nigeria as well, yeah. but quite a lot of the other countries that you would think that were very fossil fuel dependent, countries like Australia, for example, mm-hmm. signalled earlier on that they, that, that they were happy with the text. And it seemed to me, as an outside observer, that India got that last concession very fast compared to how the rest of this process has happened. (laughs) There was a a huge concern flagged by quite a large number of countries about the process around it. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Marshall Islands made a very strong statement around the process. um, that It was very disappointing that it came in very late and there wasn't adequate consultation around it. And actually the COP president apologised for that, that process. Um, but I think the greatest area of disappointment has been on the loss and damage, and we touched on that briefly before. So this is the, um, you know, the, the um, compensation, if you like, for um, the vulnerable people around the world who are right at the forefront of impacts on climate change. Um, we really hoped that this, um, these negotiations would bring forward um, commitments on finance um, and commitments to kind of really ratchet up support for those um, for those countries, and that absolutely wasn't achieved. So um, some NGOs are couching that as a betrayal. So Climate Action Network that we are a, a member of um, came into this um, this COP saying this would be a litmus test. The loss and damage outcomes would be a litmus test, and uh, to that end, it's extremely disappointing. And NGOs are, are really frustrated and sad um, on behalf of you know those those vulnerable people around the world. And I think it's also worth seeing that when it comes to kind of wider civic society in Scotland, the solidarity issues right around loss and damage have been really important mm-hmm. over these last two weeks. It's been remarkable to see people trying to form connections, the people in the global south, the people bear, like we've spoken about before, the people who bear the brunt right of, of, of climate change and have that pulled out in at the last minute, I think probably reinforces a lot of people's innate cynicism about Mm -hmm. these kind of processes and that's a worry isn't it yeah it is a real worry um yeah you're right it was a totemic issue for a lot of the people who were um you know protesting the movement outside of the kind of cop negotiations you know people in the streets were highlighting that you know 
this is such a huge issue, standing in solidarity with the people who are at the front line of climate impacts. And yeah, understandably, it really erodes faith in the UN process. I mean, it's hard to see how, how else we could tackle climate change other than through this kind of multilateral process, but it absolutely undermines faith in it, and I, I really understand that. Thinking more widely about the last couple of weeks, right, mm. um, how, how do you feel the whole process has gone? How do you, how do you feel about that balance between the things that were happening inside and outside the wire? So um, in terms of the process, one of the big challenges has been around inclusivity. So to be fair to the COP presidency, they are organising a COP in a pandemic and it's something that no one's ever had to do before. And it does inevitably mean you can physically fit less people in a room. Um, That said, I think there were a number of real challenges around inclusivity and access to the negotiations from observers. Um, And I think, you know, the frustration has been sort of exacerbated on the outside of people feeling like they don't have a kind of locus on this process. People are marching in the streets highlighting their claims in every way that they can but not feeling like world leaders or ministers are listening and that's you know deeply frustrating for people who are passionate about addressing the climate crisis and indeed the biodiversity crisis yeah and i I suppose but the the flip side to that is speaking as somebody who's been outside right the last two weeks right the levels of energy and the diversity of people who have been out here making their voices heard and the way those diverse communities of people have found common cause and common interests has been genuinely inspirational. Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the most wonderful things about COPS is that they give people a kind of rallying point for that. And um, I think, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the day when the big march happened was Nature Day and I had to be on the inside, but I was very excited to join the protest. Um, was it yesterday or the day before? Where it's we basically... hard to tell, isn't it? But it, I was thinking, yes, it, it was just yesterday was that all you guys yesterday. walked out there with the ribbon we and everything. We walked out with um, holding a ribbon, a red ribbon that was representing um, the red lines that mustn't be crossed in this process. It's, and it was... it's now tied to the Bridge of Pod. It's oh, behind it? you. Yeah, it's, so it's it stretched. Oh my it's, goodness, so it's, it's the a, other side and I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's it's, I know it says we walked up, so it's a permanent, well, I don't know, somebody will probably poke it eventually and turn it in the curtains, but right now it is at least an evidence of that yeah. collective action. Which it was is, a really, a really thing. symbolic moment and um, the NGOs inside um, carried it from the plenary, uh, the people's plenary, um, directly out and it was tied with the ribbon that was um, from the people outside, which was obviously symbolic of that kind of inside-outside solidarity between, um, you know, NGOs and civil society. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a really powerful thing to be to be part of. And one thing that I always keep in mind, and I need to because quite often, you know, the outcomes in the past, particularly on my stuff, have not been great, is that there's the negotiated outcome, which may be good or may be bad or may be mixed, um, but there is everything that happens around the focal point of that COP um, and the, just the incredible civil society action, the incredible subnational stuff that's been going on is really, really inspiring. Um, so, yeah, I, I always take heart from that no matter what the negotiated outcome. So um, are you are we book your tickets for Egypt? Uh, I probably will be going to Egypt. Yeah, it's really hard to think beyond Glasgow at the moment. Um, the international process is part of my job, so I guess I will be going to Egypt. And, and yeah, I, I guess I know also some of the things that we might want to be calling on in Egypt on the nature side, building on what we achieved here. And I know for sure that um, there's going to be a very strong push um, to uh, push back on the, um, the loss and damage outcome. Uh, from here to actually achieve something much more substantial in Egypt. But I think worth finishing by 
just re-emphasising that point that it is genuinely a big win for nature and that's something we're super excited about. Yeah, I mean, um, RSPB is a nature organisation. We are facing a biodiversity crisis. Biodiversity forms our life support systems and it has intrinsic value in itself. So it has been a win in terms of linking nature crisis to the climate crisis and um, yes I'm very relieved that we've made progress on that. Well on behalf of everybody thank you to you and your team and all the people who've just got their head down and worked in there because that is a result and thanks. Great talking to you. Well that is it for Copcast 12. I'm for Copcast. Uh, I am standing on the bridge of Pod. I suppose it goes back to being the Squinty Bridge after this. Disappointing. Um, don't worry, I- I'm not about to do like a Jerry Springer and like offer a moral or anything like that. I just wanted to take a second uh, to say thank you to all the people who made time to do interviews for the podcast over this. We have had like such an amazing range of people. It's been reflective, I suppose, of what COP has been like, you know, to be here. I never thought at the start of the two weeks that I'd talk to people from Kenya and people from Zambia, that I'd talk to people who were inside the wire, you know, do, you know, really close to the negotiations, that, you know, getting a chance to speak to young people as well who've come here from all over the place to make their voices heard and engage with the process where they can. Um, it's been a really fascinating experience. Um, if you have enjoyed this podcast... Uh, then you should know that uh, RSPB Scotland uh, has a normal non-copcast podcast as well, um, which uh, Kate, who my co-host, who was uh, with us when we did the Day of Action pod, uh, presents along with me. That is called Nature News from RSPB Scotland. It's in the same feed as this podcast, uh, but if you search any of the places where you get podcasts you know, Spotify Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts uh, as I say Nature News from RSBB Scotland subscribe leave us a review because it helps people find us in the podcast jungle and if you do, then I will speak to you again soon, bye